Well, what a great morning. And, you know, I, I love the sound of children in the church service. It's one of the best sounds to me. And that's it, it, to me, it's always just this moment of thank you, God, for trusting us as a church with these children, that the parents love bringing their kids to church. And, and I pray that they would have a home and a place in, in the church for their whole lives and that, that this would be as much for them as it is anyone else. So, so, so great to see all the kids around. And you know what? If you're worried about your kids making noise, it doesn't bother me. It's, it's like a, a joyful song to my ears. So, so thanks for having them here today. But that's what we're going to be talking about today on this topic. If, if you're new here today, we've been going through the Proverbs this summer uh, and, and talking about a lot of different parts of life and, and how things, this wisdom of God really applies to us in, in every facet, uh, every decision we make, how we talk, how we think, how we act. And uh, the Proverbs say a lot about raising children. In fact, the whole book of Proverbs is actually a parenting book. If you go all the way back to the first chapter and the first few verses, Solomon makes it very clear that this is for his sons, that they may grow up and walk in wisdom. And so everything we've read so far has been from the angle of parenting. Uh, But today we're going to look at a few specific uh, verses from the Proverbs that talk about parenting and, and raising children in this wisdom of God, and even if you aren't a parent here today or a parent of a a child in your home, there's still a lot of wisdom to be gleaned from this. Because as an adult, you set an example and you have the ability to teach and and partner with those who are raising children. But if you are a parent with with a child in the home, uh, you have a unique and incredibly challenging opportunity to minister. In fact, God is calling you to be a missionary in your home to your children. And you think about being called to be a missionary, you're often uh, looking at this somewhat, uh, as, as somewhat scary, right? You're thinking you're going to go off to a foreign land. But when you're a parent, a Christian parent, you are a missionary by default to your children. So your greatest ministry is now in your home, despite what you do. And as a pastor, I, I look at it the same way. My greatest ministry is in the home. And you guys are definitely my second calling. But as parents, no matter what you do, the, the same is true. So this is going to be one of those uh, sermons, again, that we're going to be looking at a lot of different verses throughout Proverbs. I'm going to have you flip back and forth. I'll try to give you as much time as I can to get there. But before we get into this, I just want to pray for us, especially for the parents uh, among us of, of children, that God would strengthen you and guide you. So pray with me. Well, Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for this wonderful moment we just shared, uh, that we had these, these children who are dedicated to you, these parents who are taking this step of faith and this commitment. Uh, but God, I pray that would be our collective heartbeat as a community, that we love and we value these kids. We see them as a future. We see them as an investment. We see them uh, as a mission field. That, they, uh, that we have the opportunity to share your love with them. That it uh, makes an impact far beyond this life, but an impact for their eternity. So I pray for all of those who are involved in shaping and raising these children. First for the parents. Uh, that you'd give them that strength and that guidance, but also for all of us in the community, 
uh, for those who are uh, uh, Sunday school teachers, for those who help with VBS, those who just have casual conversations with parents and children. We all play this part in impressing your wisdom on these children. So God, help us as a community uh, and, and show us the way to raise children in your wisdom. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to have you uh, open up to Proverbs 22, and we're going to start with probably the most well-known verse in the Proverbs when it comes to parenting. And I'm going to have three overall points in this, this message, and the first, as we look at that one, is that, that wisdom first comes through instruction or teaching. They need to be shown the ways of God. If you're open uh, to Proverbs 22, this is going to be verse 6. It says, Start children off in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now this is one, like I said, many of you probably already know or have memorized. It's quoted many different times uh, in, in, in parenting literature. Uh, but before we unpack that, I want to take a step back and look at what would have been the cultural and, and spiritual foundation for this verse, the collective understanding of all the people who would have read these wise words from Solomon. There's something that we need to, to understand first, and that's all the way back in Deuteronomy 6 that I had referenced earlier. Now, this is part of what's known as the Shema, and this is a, a selection of scriptures that that people learned at the earliest age possible, that they had this memorized for their whole lives, and certainly uh, all of the adults would have known this as kind of the default. And it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So this was the default for them before they would have even received this proverb, before uh, uh, we even read it in the Bible, we read this in Deuteronomy. And there's a few uh, observations we, we pull from this as we understand the proverb we're about to unpack. And the first is that teaching your children, impressing God's wisdom upon them, is not optional. This is strong, authoritative language that is a command for believers. If you love God, you are to teach your children to also love God and obey on Him. Now, obey Him. So it's not an option. The second is that this is not a situational endeavor. In today's culture, we kind of segment our lives. You have your church time, you have your home time, you have your school time, you have your activities time. And all of them seem to accomplish their own purposes for their own reasons. But the, the reality is that, that all things should be spiritual in your endeavor with your children. You take every opportunity. And so we read that you're supposed to talk about these commandments of God when you're sitting, when you're walking, when you're lying down, and when you get up. And this is really saying at all times. It's, just, it's not saying you can only talk to your kids about God when you're walking down a road. It's that at all times, in every situation, be teaching your children about God. And the third and most important observation from this is that this is all done out of love. It's not an obligation it's not a duty. 
is something if you love God, you love teaching your children about God's love. And it's the most loving thing you can do as parents and as adults is to usher them before God and teach them his ways. So this is the default. Right? This is what people already understood at the time. And that helps to make this uh, make, make more sense. Start off children in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Now, the ESV uh, says it more specifically, is that you're to train them in the right way. And as they grow old, they will not depart. And this is a clear indicator here that we have this duty as parents, as adults, to teach them. Because kids will not teach themselves. It's not something they'll just stumble upon in life or it's not born within them to know these things. The only way that they will know the ways of God is if someone teaches them. And unfortunately, what we see here, if you view this verse as a condition that puts a lot of guilt in parents if your children make wrong decisions or if they stray from God for a period of their life, a lot of parents will read this in that situation and say, I must have blown it somehow. I must not have done enough. And it puts in them so much guilt and shame. And I think the key to understanding this verse is to know that in the Proverbs, some of them are clear promises and some of them are more of a general principle. All right. And so if we look back at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, to trust in the Lord and lean on your uh, own understanding, and to acknowledge Him in all of your ways, God will make your path straight. Okay, that's a promise in the Proverbs. But it also says that wisdom offers you a long life as well as wealth and honor. Now that's more of a principle. You can make all of the right choices and still have a short life. Or maybe not be wealthy or be honored in society. So I think the way to look at this is more of a warning than a promise for adults. And if you translate this verse directly, it's saying if you put a child on a path, or if you let them choose their own path, they're going to continue in that path when they get older. In other words, you reap what you sow as parents. If you put no attention into teaching them, they're never going to learn, and they're going to make foolish decisions. Basically, children have the capacity to do dumb things. All right? And if you don't put them on this path, they won't continue on it later. And it brought to mind uh, the movie Big Daddy. Do you remember that one? I, maybe I shouldn't. I can't remember if it's even appropriate or not, but it's so long ago. But it's basically this, this guy, uh, 20-something guy, a newly bachelor, slob, lives at home, and he kind of mistakenly takes in this foster child who's a kindergartner. And he has this bright idea of, I'm going to let this child choose for himself whatever he wants to do. And very quickly, this, this, this kid decides his name is Frankenstein, that he's going to wear Halloween costumes to school, to never bathe, and for lunch he wants to eat 30 packets of ketchup. Right? And, and then very quickly, he starts to have this self-destructive life. And the, the culmination of all this is when the teacher informs this uh, ad hoc dad that his child is the smelly one in class. And so he says, all right, from now on, I'm going to teach him, I'm going to train him, and it, and it turns out differently. But that's actually a biblical premise. 
And in Proverbs 22, uh, where you are right now, look down at verse 15. It says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. In other words, kids by themselves do foolish things. It's how they are born. But it's only through instruction and teaching that you can take them off of that path. So when you start them on the path of wisdom, they will continue on that when they get older. The only way they can be wise is if you start them on the path. But if you look at parenting in kind of a lazy way and assume that someone else is going to teach them, that your Sunday school teacher or the youth pastor or the coach is going to do all the teaching they need, they're not going to get what they need. The reality is that we need to raise adults, not children. You need to raise children who can become independent adults and make wise decisions. And there's a big difference between making decisions for your kids and teaching them how to make decisions. One of them is actually kind of lazy. If you tell your child exactly what to do, you may think you're being a loving parent. But that's the shortcut. All right? The more involved and successful style of parenting is teaching them right from wrong, teaching them consequences, teaching them wisdom. And not just what to do, but, but why to do it. That's the heart of being a disciple, is why you do what you do, the heart behind the actions. That things can be done out of worship while you're at work or you're at school or you're playing sports. You teach them how to make decisions and coach them through failure and mistakes. And through doing that, through that instruction, when they are old, they will not turn from what they were taught. But the most important part of this as parents and as adults, and this is where we can all work together whether you're a parent or not, is you have to teach the kids because it's nobody else's responsibility. And as parents, I encourage you to ask the questions. Maybe after church and you had communion that day, it's like, what did you think of communion? How do you understand communion? Or if there's a baptism, ask them the same questions. Or, or ask them, what did you learn today in children's church? Read the Bible with them. Share your testimony with them. Pray with them. But you have to be ready to teach them and be committed to it and add, answer the questions that are asked. Nobody will teach them if you're not committed to doing so first. All right, so you can teach them all the right things, what to do, how to make decisions. What if they don't? How about... What, what happens when they don't make the right decisions? And this is the uh, partner to teaching, is correction or discipline. You open up to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, 24. Another one people have probably heard many times. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. And we're going to talk about the rod. We're going to talk about what it means to love and hate your child in this, con in, in this uh, context. But first, let's talk about discipline. Just the general idea of discipline or correction. There's some who say that they just love their children too much to discipline them. 
The reality is you will only love your children if you discipline them. And the Proverbs tell us that discipline or correction is, is the most loving thing you can do for your child. And when I was reading through this, one of the commentators uh, talked about uh, a story he had from high school when he and his buddies were, were talking about their curfew times. And one's like, oh, mine's at 10 o'clock. And well, mine's at 9 o'clock. And the next kid's well, mine's at 7.30. And I, I have to be home uh, before the dinner table is cleared. Also, I'm in trouble and there's one in the group that spoke and said, I don't have a curfew. And they're just like, wow, lucky guy. I wish we were in your position. Well, how much, what a great step of freedom, and your parents must love you so much. And he said, no, my parents couldn't care less if I ever came home. And that's what a lack of discipline really communicates. It's not love towards your children, it's indifference. You don't care about what decisions they make or, or what consequences may come their way, because discipline has a purpose. The purpose of discipline is not punishment, it's instruction. It's to, to reinforce the teaching that you have been committed to with your children, to encourage them towards wise living. And there's this new trend in parenting that I'm becoming aware to, of which you are to never tell your child no. Now, if I tried to do that, it would last about six seconds, right? Because if you see your child doing something dangerous, you don't go, hey, well, hey, just maybe try, um, maybe try playing over here. It's like, no, 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 don't touch that hot burner, right? And, and no is such a loving uh, answer or direction to give to your child. And studies have, have consistently shown that children with clear, consistent, and well-enforced boundaries have a happier home life. They're less prone to emotional outbursts or social, um, social alienation from their peers. They achieve higher academically in school, and by many metrics of standards of living, they're, they're far more successful than their peers when they reach adulthood. And this, again, is one of those examples of worldly wisdom just catching up with ancient godly wisdom. That's exactly what the Proverbs are telling us here, is that if you spare discipline from your child, you hate them. But if you discipline them and have clear and reinforced boundaries, you love them. Now, we also read in Proverbs 23. You can just flip there uh, quickly if you'd like. Verses 13 and 14. We, we get this idea that if we discipline them, we feel like they're going to die. All right? in, in 13 and 14 in verses of chapter 23, you say that we should not withhold discipline from a child because if you punish them with the rod, they will not die. In fact, if you punish them with the rod, you will save them from death. If you have them go in this undisciplined life, you're setting them up for failure because you're not teaching them consequence. They're going to make decisions that will put themselves in danger. And I want to get something uh, out of the way here, just as we address what we mean by rod. It's a word that's used consistently in the Proverbs. Uh, he is speaking specifically of physical discipline here. All right, and I know we all have different viewpoints of physical discipline. And, and I don't think it's saying that you must physically discipline your child. But I'm, I, I think I'm reading that this is an, an option to do. And there's many ways uh, to, to do this. You know, probably the most common way we'd have in our culture is, is spanking. 
I don't know if switches are a thing anymore, but there's probably someone here who went, oh yeah, switches are definitely a thing when I, I grew up. But if you have an issue with physical discipline, I, I can understand that, but take this up with King Solomon, all right? But I think there's some really important things to understand with physical discipline, no matter where you land on this. And the, and the first is that it should always, always be the last resort, okay? You never want to have this be the default. And I think far too many parents use physical discipline as a release valve of their frustration on their child. That's not discipline. That is abuse. Okay, And this needs to be something that is clearly defined as to why you're doing it with many warnings. And it can't be for uh, childish accidents like spilling milk or something. This is last resort kind of thing. It needs to be mild, right? No leaving of marks. And the purpose of discipline is not pain, but to shape behavior. It has to be purposeful. So it needs to be accompanied with teaching. And that means they need to be the right age. So if you spank a one-year-old, that's just cruel and pointless. If you spank a 16-year-old, that's just kind of hilarious and fruitless. <laughs> All right? But there's a small window in which physical discipline is applicable and helpful. It needs to be purposeful. And you need to follow up with an, an acknowledgement from the child of why they're being disciplined in this way. And the reality is that discipline, as we read through Proverbs, is a very effective and necessary teaching tool. So I'm talking now about the greater principle of discipline, not just physical discipline, that we have to be careful to discipline them, as we read here in the proverb. And too many times, discipline just comes as a punishment without discussion. Kids are being disciplined and they don't know why. And it's the, it's the easy thing to say, because I said so, or go to your room and we're not going to talk about it. But that's confusing to kids. And I remember in my life I received a few spankings, and I undoubtedly deserved every single one of them, uh, except for one. I remember I was about 10 years old. It's at the, the dinner table. And, and I'm certain that prior to this, I was acting very poorly. right? But at the dinner table, it was something like, hey, can you please pass the butter? And my dad stands up and says, I've had enough of this. And he stands me up and he gives me a spanking, which it didn't hurt, you know, I'm 10. And then he sits me back down. And I'm just like, okay. What was, and we never talked about it. This is an example where discipline didn't lead to correction. It led to confusion. And when you're with your children, you have to be so patient and committed to telling them why they're being disciplined. Because discipline itself is not punishment. It really means course correction, Right? So just like that first proverb, if you put them on the path, you want them to continue in the path. When they start to veer from the path, it's this, hey, you're about to go off a cliff. I'm going to help you back on to the right course here. And this is why I'm disciplining you. Because if you continue in that direction, there are dire consequences. And so hasty, frustrated punishment, that might change your child's behavior, but it's not going to change their understanding. And that's the whole point of correction and discipline, is to change their understanding of the world. Now, if you go to Proverbs 29, I know any uh, remaining kids in here or teenagers are like, Dominic, could you just get off this point? I'm tired of talking about discipline and correction. One last thing, and this is in Proverbs 29, verse 17. This shows the benefits of disciplined children. 
Discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will give you the delights you desire. In other translations, this means that they will give you peace of mind and they will give you delight in your heart. And we've seen those moments of the child melting down on the grocery floor, grocery store floor, you know, for 10 full minutes, or the, the children who are chippy with their parents and they're arguing with them. Now, not all the time, but most of the time, this is probably due to lack of discipline. And we see other kids who just seem like the perfect kids. And I know every kid has their moment, right? But there's, they're consistently saying please and thank you, and they're respectful, and they look you in the eye when they talk, right? These are kids probably who are disciplined well in the home. And so correction, discipline, brings homes into harmony and brings you a happy home. And this is why God has designed this in the household, If you let children just simply choose for themselves what is right and wrong, if they have a life that models consistent disobedience and it's not addressed, you're putting your kids on a path of self-destruction and you're putting yourself in this cycle of hardship and misery. God's design is for children to be disciplined. That's why the fifth commandment is that children are to obey or honor their father and mother. And this brings now your home into a place of harmony, respect, and wisdom. And the third and and final most important point in all of this is that you have to have wisdom that comes by example. Now, this this is now for parents and adults and everyone. Every adult needs to understand this. You can teach your child until you're blue in the face. You can enforce all of the rules with the utmost of rigidity, But until you live it out yourself, the children will not follow. Children are watching you, and they are excellent hypocrisy detectors. Okay? I've heard children uh, be referred to as sin mirrors. So all of the worst qualities of yourself as a parent are often reflected in your children. So we're going to unpack that proverb in just, just a second here. But this idea of being an example before others is just a biblical example as believers. It's not just for parents. In 1 Timothy 4.12, when Paul is talking to Timothy, who is a young person, but he's a man of God, uh, he's not always taken seriously because of his age, but he tells him this in 1 Timothy 4, set an example for the believers in your speech, in your conduct and your love, and your faith, and your purity. In other words, if you want them to follow you, you need to act it out. You need to live out your faith. Same way in, in Titus 2. And this is, this is Paul talking to Titus about bringing order to these, these churches who are just kind of unruly. But he tells them in the middle of the book, that is in everything set them an example by doing what is good. And in your teaching, show integrity. In other words, let your life match up with the words that you're teaching with. And that's crucial as parents and adults before children. If you're in Proverbs 14, we're going to read that and explain more how we get to this point. It says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children... It will be a refuge. 
So to fear the Lord is to have this reverent respect of who he is, to have this solid relationship with God, and to know that he is God and you are not. And your life is to be in obedience and worship to him. And when you do that, you have for yourself a secure fortress. That means that your life is situated to withstand all of the storms that could blow in, all of the hardships, all of the misery. You stand steadfast with God because you're living out what you are saying. You believe. When you become a secure fortress, then for your children, it's also a place of refuge. What that means is that they recognize in you there is something different and secure. And so when they have problems, they'll come to you as well. Because they watch you. They see how you treat others. They hear the words that you use. They understand your attitude, your work ethic. How you pray, how you serve, how you read the Bible. Your children are seeing all of these things. And it becomes for them an example. It becomes for them a place that they can run to. What your children need to see is a saved parent who walks in wisdom. And not only does this fear of the Lord offer you protection, it extends unto the children as well. Why? Well, because your children are probably going to become just like you. Now, there's this idea that's sprinkled throughout the Old Testament of generational sin. And it's, it's kind of hard to understand. And some think it's, it's this, like, you get sin traits through genetics or through the blood. I think it's much more simple than that, that. That when you raise your children, if you are one that's prone to sin in a certain way, whether it's, it's anger or it's uh, cheating people uh, for money or, or whatever it might be, they're going to see that and they're going to emulate that when they get older. And that's why it's important as parents especially how you treat each other. If you're a husband that's not very good to your wife and you have a son, they're seeing that and they're probably going to, uh, to grow up to do the exact same thing to their wife. And how we break all of those generational sins is by faith in God and living out his commands. When you set that example for them of wisdom, they are prone to repeat that. So how it's affected your life is going to also affect their life. I think what's most important for kids is that they need to see a parent who understands they are not perfect. And that's the most valuable thing you can pass on to them. Because they're going to call you out, right, when they say, well, you told me not to use the word stupid, but you just did. You told me to put my dishes away when I'm done eating, but you didn't. In those moments, it's important to say, you know what? You're right. I messed up. And I make a lot of mistakes myself. And I need the grace of God and His forgiveness. So, you know, can we pray together? I want to ask God for His forgiveness for what what I've done. I want to ask you for your forgiveness. And let's all work together to do better and to rely on Him for His grace. Children are watching you closely. And you have this ability to exemplify for them what you want them to become. So for all of the adults here, 
If you are the one that's saying the new generation, boy, I don't know about them. There's all these things that they're believing now. Be an example of them. Consider how you're acting and how you're speaking. Are you showing them the person you hope they would become? That's the first thing you can do. And for parents, as I said, there's a very high chance that they're going to turn out just like you. Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? You have to really consider the example you're setting. But in all things, bring them back to God. Bring them back to His grace and to His strength. We have an incredible opportunity with these kids. And that's what I want us to always see children as in in this church and in our lives is an opportunity to invest in His kingdom. It is our greatest mission field in this church is the children. Raise them in wisdom. Teach them. For parents, correct them. And for all of us, be an example to them. And trust in God through all of this, because you will not do all things perfectly. You're going to make mistakes, but don't worry. You serve a God that can make all things new. And most important is pray for them. Pray for these kids. Pray for these parents. And we can usher them to God, right? But God is the one who does all of the real work in their hearts and their lives. Pray for them. Let's do that as we close today. Lord, we thank you for your great wisdom, this practical wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And and God, I I do pray for those kids now, uh, for the ones who are dedicated today, for all of those who were with us. We're thankful for these, these wonderful gifts that you have created. And it's just, it gives me chills to think uh, the future that could be in store for them, the, the kingdom movers and those who are going to be impacting you with their lives. We have an opportunity now to be investing in them as the future of the church. So God, help us not to, to do the shortcuts or to take the easy way out, but to take the time to teach. And all of us have a part in that, to be teaching these children and to be setting an example for them in the way that we live. But in all things, God, may we come before you just pleading for your grace, knowing, God, that that's what makes us whole, that your Son died for us to cover up the iniquities of our sins, the the penalty of death, that you took it for us. And, God, we can trust in you now for a new and everlasting life. So, God, I, I pray this now over our community, but especially our children. God, that you would raise them, that you would call them, that they would respond and they would live a life of obedience and worship in you. And we pray all these things in your name, Jesus.